Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist on this Father's Day Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers who are here with us this morning. Happy Father's Day to the fathers who are worshiping online with us. We're glad that you are with us and pray that you will have a wonderful day today and experience the presence of God our Father here with us as we worship this day. Uh, please do find the attendance pads that are in the pews and fill those out and pass them along to others so that we have a record of your presence here with us in worship this day. If you are, uh, we have the insert of those who uh, ordered the carnations that are up here for, for their fathers. And if you're one of the people that ordered those, then you can pick that uh, flower up uh, following the service this morning. Thank you for uh, helping to beautify our sanctuary this morning. Uh, speaking of the sanctuary, you may have noticed a little something different as you came in this morning. Uh, we are set up for our Vacation Bible School, which kicks off tomorrow and runs all week long. Uh, our Vacation Bible School Monumental is the theme this year, and uh, a lot of people have been doing a lot of work, obviously, to get us ready for that. And I, I thank them all for that. And before we go any further, I just want to have uh, a time of prayer uh, over our Vacation Bible School. So would you uh, bow with me in prayer? Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to minister to the children, not just of this church, but of this entire community as we approach this time of Vacation Bible School. We pray for your blessing on all that goes on throughout the Vacation Bible School. We thank you for those uh, leaders who have been working diligently over many weeks and even months to prepare for this time and uh, doing decorations and lesson plans and, and getting things ready. And we pray for each one of those leaders that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that they would be blessed in this time of serving the children, that you would give them wisdom in all that they teach, that you would give them patience and encouragement as they work with the children. And we pray for each child that will come here this week. We know, Lord, that you have been working in each one of them already, preparing the way, and we pray that that will be strengthened throughout this week as they come here to learn about you and to grow closer to you. We pray your blessings in all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We uh, have one other thing going on tomorrow because Vacation Bible School is not enough. 
we have uh, the Fuller Center bicycle adventurers that are going to be here. Uh, they're riding through town. They're going to be here tomorrow, spending the night here in the church building tomorrow uh, night. And they are going to be doing a presentation uh, at 7 o'clock in the community center tomorrow evening. Uh, so if you would like to learn about the Fuller Center bicycle adventurers and, oh, I'm sorry. Fellowship Hall, thank you. The uh, presentation in Fellowship Hall, if you'd like to learn about the Fuller Center Bicycle Adventurers, what they're doing, uh, how they're serving God through their bicycle adventures, uh, come to the Fellowship Hall tomorrow evening at 7 for that presentation. We are here to worship and praise God our Father, so let us be in that spirit as you stand for the call to worship. Sisters and brothers, we come together to worship God, who offers us freedom through our Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ has set us free from sin and death, that we might live to God's glory and praise. We have not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Living Christ, that we might be children of God. Come, let us worship the Lord. Please remain standing for the opening hymn. This is my Father's World, number 144 in your hymnal.
Please be seated for the opening prayer. God, our refuge and our hope, come among us today to give us energy and purpose. Move us beyond the discipline of the law to the discipleship of faith. Free us from the shackles of fear and a sense of failure that keeps us from stepping bravely into your future. Grant us the sense that we are not alone, but are part of a great company of your faithful people of every nation and tongue. Amen. Our prayer hymn is Children of the Heavenly Father, number 141. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we gather to honor you, to worship you, to seek your face. You are one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You are the Father of the fatherless, protector of the widows. You are Abba, Father. And as a father, you show compassion to your children and to those who revere you. We see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. How we praise you for salvation through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. I invite the ushers to come now to serve us as we worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. join me in the prayer of dedication. Father, make giving a blessing and not a burden as we reflect more and more on all you have given us. Make us eager and willing givers of all the gifts you have poured down on us. Amen. Please be seated.
lesson this morning is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 to 29. You can follow along in the bulletin. Now before day came, we were in prison and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be reckoned as righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, there is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. I used to enjoy watching the television program Late Night with David Letterman, and one of my favorite parts of that show was when he would do his Top Ten Countdown. You remember the Top Ten Countdown? Well, in recognition of this being Father's Day, I thought I would share with you a countdown of the top ten things a father would never say. Are you ready for it? Here we go. The top ten things a father would never say. Number ten. Well, how about that? Looks like I'm lost. I guess I'll have to pull over and ask for directions. <laughs> Number nine. You know, Pumpkin, now that you're 13, I suppose it's time for you to start going on unsupervised dates. <laughs> Number eight. All of your friends have real attitude. I like that. <laughs> Number seven. Here's my new platinum credit card. Go treat yourself to something nice. Number six. Anybody else want to turn with the remote? I know that one's dated. Nowadays, everyone's on their own devices, but I like it anyway. I remember watching TV with my dad. Number five. Your mother and I are going away for the weekend. Feel free to throw a big party while we're gone. Number four. I don't know what's wrong with your car. Just have it towed to a mechanic and pay whatever they ask. Okay, my dad actually would have said that one, but nevertheless. Number three, son, I really like that earring, but wouldn't it look even better with a matching nose ring? Number two, why do you want to go and get a job? I make plenty of money for you to spend. And the number one thing that a father would never say... You know that honor thy father and thy mother thing? Well, that's really more of a suggestion than a commandment. <laughs> Today is Father's Day, a day we acknowledge and honor our own fathers and the fathers of our church and the men who have been like fathers to us. One of Jesus' favorite ways of referring to God was as Father. He taught us to pray to our Father who art in heaven. The lectionary reading for today from Galatians, it, it doesn't specifically use that language of father, but it is implied. 
Paul, in this part of his letter to the Galatians, refers to us as children of God. For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. He writes to them and to us. Parenting imagery is used throughout the Bible to describe the relationship between God and God's people. God is our father. We are his children. Thinking about that parent-child relationship is often helpful in understanding how God relates to us, what God expects from us. What I find interesting about this particular passage, though, is that Paul is using that parent-child relationship imagery specifically in reference to children who have grown up. When he calls us the children of God, he means adult children. And Paul acknowledges that there is a different relationship. A different dynamic exists once the child has become fully grown. I'm learning that firsthand right now. Many of you remember my son Nathan, who used to put the slides together for Sunday morning and who produced the videos when our worship was all online, pre-recorded. Nathan is now my adult child, which still feels weird to me sometimes. I mean, he's only 19, just a year out of high school, but he is an adult. He's, he's out on his own. He's making his own way in life. And that makes for a much different dynamic in our relationship than what we had when he was living under my roof and under all of my rules. He's an adult, but he's still my child. That's a new thing to me. Some of you have had adult children longer than I've been alive. But still, you know, you understand that there's a difference. You can remember how things changed when your child went from being a kid to being an adult. But still, they're your child, and they always will be your child, no matter how old they become. That's what Paul means in this particular part of this letter to the Galatians when he refers to us as the children of God. He's not talking about kids still living at home under their parents' roof, under all of their parents' rules. He's talking about adult children who have grown up and who now know, because of faith, as full-grown adults, how to live as God's children. The Jewish law was a vexing issue for the early church. In some ways, it still is. The Christians in Galatia were almost all of them Gentiles. They had not been raised Jewish. They had never been under the Jewish law. They had been pagans. Now they were Christians. But Christianity in those early days was still a Jewish faith. Paul taught the Galatians about Jesus, and he started the church there, and then he moved on to other regions, and then some other Christians came in behind him, and they began convincing the Galatians that what they really needed to do, if they really wanted to be Christian, was to become Jewish. Their men needed to be circumcised. They all needed to start following all of the Old Testament laws. And many of the Galatians were convinced by this. Some of them were going along with it. When word of that got back to Paul, he was infuriated that they were turning their back on the pure gospel and adopting rituals and practices that were unnecessary to their salvation. Practices that could even be harmful to their salvation because they would begin relying on those things rather than on Jesus. 
It is faith alone, in Christ alone, which saves. If they began adding other things on top of it, they may end up losing what they already have. Our passage for today comes from the end of chapter 3, but I want to pick up at the beginning of chapter 3 to set the context. You foolish Galatians, he starts off. And then he poses this question to them. Did you receive the Spirit? And by Spirit, he means the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Here is the clear mark of salvation throughout the New Testament. We saw it on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all believers. We saw it in Acts 10 and 11 when Peter realized the Gentile believers were saved just as much as he was because they had been given the Holy Spirit. Salvation comes from nothing other than faith in Jesus Christ. And the mark of that salvation, the proof of it, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So too, Paul confirms that here in Galatians 3 when he refers to the gift of the Holy Spirit as the proof of salvation. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Of course the Galatians knew the answer. They had not received the Spirit by following the law. They didn't even know the requirements of the law yet. Or what, if anything, those requirements had to do with them. They had received the Holy Spirit when they believed the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they accepted that truth, in faith, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. A sure and certain sign that they had been saved. That they were now already right with God. You see, we are not made right with God when we finally get our act all together. We are not made right with God because we follow some particular ritual or avoid some particular sin. We are not made right with God by chanting the right words or or by being born to the right people. We are made right with God only through the sacrificial atonement of Jesus Christ. When we believe that truth, Then we receive the Holy Spirit as the confirmation that we have been made right with God in Jesus Christ. We are children of God through faith. Whatever else a person may be, whatever else a person may be, if they have believed in Jesus Christ and have received the Holy Spirit, then they are a child of God. Hard stop. Everyone who has believed in Jesus and has received the Holy Spirit is an heir of salvation according to the promise of God, just as much as you. I don't care what you or anybody else has to say about it. God has already decreed it. But what then about the law? And what about all of those other conditions and qualifications that we like to throw in there and we get so hung up on? That's the question that Paul takes up in so many different ways throughout this letter. In this section that we're focused on today, Galatians 3, 23 to 29, he compares the law to a disciplinarian. The the word that Paul uses 
It means something like what we would call a nanny, except that in the culture that he was writing, this nanny would have been a slave or a servant. The word in Greek is pedagogos. This was not somebody that would be familiar in Jewish homes. It was the wealthy Greek and Roman families that had a pedagogos. Paul was writing to the Greek people, Gentiles, people who had no background in Judaism or in the Old Testament or, or in the Jewish law. He was trying to explain to these Greeks what the Jewish law was about and why it was foolish for them, Gentiles of Galatia, foolish for them to try and take the Jewish law upon themselves. In doing that, he used this concept that they were very familiar with, calling the law a pedagogus. That, that servant's role, that, that disciplinarian, was to stay with the children whenever the children were not with their parents, to keep the kids in line. The, these disciplinarians were often quite harsh. That was their one and only job, discipline. They didn't need to be loved, they needed to be obeyed. They needed to make sure that the kids followed the rules all the time. Obviously, someone like a Pythagogos would not be needed for an adult child. A full-grown adult doesn't need a nanny. They, they can presumably function in society without someone else standing over their shoulder every moment of the day, giving them a good whack every time they do the slightest thing wrong. Well, there may be some adults in our society that would benefit from that. But not mature adults. Somebody who is a mature adult does not need a disciplinarian. And that is Paul's point about the Old Testament law. Now that faith has come, he says, now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Children of God through faith. Adult children. Grown-up and mature children. Children, yes, because God is our Father and we will always be His children no matter how old we become. But adult children, mature because of faith. That is the, the key point in all of this. Faith. In Jesus Christ, we are children of God through faith. Because of that faith, because of that living and loving relationship that we have with God our Father through Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within all believers, we know how to live. We know what is expected of us. We know what God wants for us and what God says is right for us. We don't need a nanny. We don't need a law. Not because anything goes, but because we know what goes and what doesn't. And we live our lives accordingly. We don't need some external authority to convict us. We have the Holy Spirit to do that. We, we don't need someone else judging our every move. We judge ourselves according to faith. That is why faith is so essential in this. Because faith is the instrument by which we measure ourselves, judging our relationship with God, understanding what is good, what is just, what is right, what is godly. And that relationship that we have with God through faith 
by putting on Christ is the relationship as of an adult child with her father. It's a relationship of love and respect. It's a relationship of honor and devotion. This, Paul tells the Galatians, this is the relationship you already have with God. Through Jesus Christ, by faith, you are already made right with God. You are already saved from the judgment and punishment that comes from the law. You are already an adult child of God in a relationship of love and grace. Why then would you ever want to go back to being a kid under the discipline of a pedagogus? In Jesus, you're already far beyond that. You have already put on Christ, which is the only requirement necessary. You have already received the Holy Spirit, which is the only proof you need. What more could you possibly hope to accomplish by going back and adding on requirements that were never intended to achieve that goal in the first place? The law of Moses was given simply to keep the people of God in line until... Christ came until faith came, until the people of God could grow up into Christ and live as the adult children of God that we now are. We can shake our heads at the Galatians and say along with Paul, oh, those foolish Galatians. But what about us? What laws do we try to add on, failing to realize that God has already done all the work for us in Jesus Christ? What legalistic requirements do we use to judge one another, forgetting that in Christ everyone who has received the Holy Spirit has been made one and made right? We have all, everyone who has put on Christ, we have all been made His children, co-heirs of the promise, equally And without distinction. Why then do we draw lines between who is better and who is worse, who is closer and who is farther away? Why do we attempt to shackle one another with this oppressive disciplinarian from which we have already been set free? Is it that we are afraid to relinquish control? Is it that we we don't know how to trust the Holy Spirit? Is it that according to our human nature, we take such comfort in our tribal identities and worldly definitions that we forget who we, all of us, are in Christ? Now listen, I'm not suggesting that anything goes. I'm not. Neither was Paul. Far from it. Later in Galatians, he goes to great lengths to state what the life of a Christian looks like. It is not a life in which you can please all of your worldly desires and indulge your selfish interests. Those who are in Christ have been crucified to such things. The old self is dead. Those who are in Christ live no longer unto themselves, but unto Christ who lives in them. That's why those who are in Christ no longer need the law, because Christ is their law. The Holy Spirit is their guide. Our role, then, is not to impose 
legalistic standards and, and live according to oppressive judgments. Our job is to live according to the conviction and compulsion of the Holy Spirit and to live in peace and in loving fellowship with all those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Will we get it right every time? No. Not as long as we're in this world, we won't. Not every time. Will we agree with one another on all things? I don't find that likely. But will we reveal the Christ that is within us and among us? Indubitably, we will. If we all give ourselves over to Christ and ask for nothing but His will to be done, if we all acknowledge one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, if we all allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow within us as we all grow up into the full stature of Christ, then we will indeed truly be known as the children of God. May it be so. Amen. I'm going to have John Shearer come up and introduce our closing hymn. If you are able, please come forward. We're going to have words here for you. We'll have them, and I'll have them. And, of course, we invite the women to sing along with us, but we'll have an opportunity for the men to be a mass choir. So come forward.
having risen up in Christ, go forth now to live as the children of God, who is your heavenly loving Father. Go in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.